These tools are for you to use. These tools are for you to use. Hey, I'm Dave Marr. Welcome to This Is Your Afterlife, conversations with artists and activists about death and life. My guest this week is actor, comedian, Twitter personality, Nicole Thurman. You may have seen Nicole on that Jordan Klepper show, The Opposition, on Comedy Central. But she's also had parts on a bunch of other stuff, Superstore, Shrill, a black lady sketch show, and she's great. And we talk about her work. We talk about this idea of making it. We talk about the way she finds death embarrassing. And I think you're really going to like this episode. Before we get into it, I want to thank the people who support me on Patreon, patreon.com slash Dave Marr. I would love if you went there right now, pledged at even the $3 level. Um, There's all sorts of great stuff that you can get if you go to the Patreon. You can also find transcripts for this show at the links in the show notes. You can follow Nicole. You can follow me at those links in the show notes. I also want to thank my pigeon-level patrons, Kurt Chang, Susie Carroll, Fred Fidua, and Katie Llewellyn. And one last thing, my newsletter. The newsletter, think of it as a, as a supplement to, to the podcast, like, a, like really good liner notes that diverge in their own ways. You don't have to listen to the podcast to enjoy the newsletter or vice versa, but if you do partake, read, listen to both, your experience will be enhanced. You can find that newsletter also at the links in the show notes. That is it. Thank you so much for listening. Do all the things that get podcasts known. Subscribe, review, rate, tell other people. I really appreciate you being here. So now I hope you enjoy my conversation with Nicole Thurman. I grab your whip and take it back to When I'm in Chi-Town, I treat it like... Well, I, I think the first time I became aware of you was the... the um, which is so, I don't know, there's something so small about referring to people's, I'm sure it happens for you a lot, but like people's like social media presence to be like, was this one post? You're just, it feels like so tiny, but yeah. the, th- the thing you posted, it was like right after all the uprisings in J- May, June. And it was like every um, oh, yeah. beauty, beauty, products instagram and it was just all of the blonde faces and then one black square and i was like oh this is like so such a perfect visual like emoji joke man that killed me oh, that was great thank you yeah i mean it's like social media is small but social social media is also this really great way to have your own platform and you know show what yeah. you can do and i feel like that's how most people have gotten to know me especially during the pandemic so i, I get it but also yeah that was a crazy that was a crazy time. And that post was crazy. It went viral on Instagram, which is the first time I'd ever gone viral on Instagram. And I oh. wasn't a big fan of it. People are crazy on that site. <laughs> More than Twitter? Almost in a way because you can't mute the replies. Like you have to get the notifications and see them. Oh. So I had to close my notifications to make it only people I follow so people wouldn't like yell at me in the comments. It was crazy. Wow. That sense? Yeah, that's yeah. rough. Yeah, it was weird. It's a weird experience. It's always a weird experience talking about race because it's always going to make it's no matter what you say, it's going to make people bristle. But it's like if you would look at the fashion Instagrams, you would have seen exactly what I said. It's not that hard. It's right there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's really funny. It's like yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. Somewhat. Yeah. The lady doth protest too much. You know what exactly, I mean? Exactly. Exactly. You can say you can say all you want, but all it's all right there in black and white. All there in blonde and white. Literally. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Literally. <exactly. laughs> right. It's just a simple, just a simple little question. What do you hope happens when you die? I hope. I always think, like, if you died and immediately were reborn in some other way, I think that would be cool. Hopefully it would be good, though. <laughs> like, if you were reborn as a different person that got to live a different life, uh, or if you got to, I don't know, even be, like, in nature, be able to fly, or God knows what. Like, it just, like, I think, sometimes I think that's what you ha- what would happen is, like, your spirit goes somewhere into another thing like my mom has this dog and she used to be like the spirit of my grandpa is in that dog you know what i mean and like i would look at him i was like yeah there's an old man in there and some dogs there's old men in there oh there's a lot so, of old men and dogs i yeah. think yeah. yeah you're like i see a person like i the eyes are like human so i don't know i think that that's part of it i think that there's part of it is like i like the idea of going to heaven and like seeing, you know, your grandma or Elvis and being like, what up, you know? But I also, I think more of what like I believe is that you, you, your spirit just goes into something else. And that's what I kind of hope for. So spirit, not necessarily consciousness. What's the difference? What's the difference? Spirit well, like, are you like, oh, like you're are you aware? aware? I don't think so. I think that you, are maybe you have moments like the day like a deja vu type of thing where you're like this has happened or like mm. i know this or something like i watched this thing on netflix about people dying i think i can't remember what it was called but there was a whole part of it did you see i this? just talked to someone about this it's like surviving death or something like yeah that. it's a really good docuseries I can't, I mean, I'm terrible because I look at my phone half the time when I'm watching Netflix, but it was really good (laughs) from what I remember from looking up from Twitter. Um, But it was something about like little kids. They would be like, I, you know, I drowned. I drowned in the 1800s. Like they they knew all these things. They had these old spirits. So they'd have them momentarily. I mean, they would still be kids. They would still live their lives. They would still do their things. But there was, there were moments. I think moments would be kind of cool. Like I want to remember, you know, my mom or like. So a really good <laughs> meal. <laughs> why, why is it my mom or a meal? I don't know, but I want to remember like moments like that. No. But I think it'd be cool to just be able to do whatever, start over. It sounds kind of like the kid thing sounds like the sunken place a little bit. It's like if you catch them in the wrong moment, mm-hmm. they're just like, like resurfacing from something. Yeah. That sounds scary, right? Yes, exactly. It is scary. It is the kid thing was really creepy because they took they would even take some of the kids to meet the families of the person that died. They're like, we he he's saying that he is your daughter or your, you know, he's saying that he's your grandpa. You know what I mean? It was really weird. Um, but I think that part was scary. But then when the kids would get older, they wouldn't remember it as much. So they would kind of grow out of that. As they were when they were young, they would still be like where's doris (laughs) but then as they got older they were just like living normal lives it's really crazy wow it's it's like there's like a membrane between our world and another world that like is very porous as you're a kid or something and then it hardens up when you grow 
Yeah, I think when well, we're talking speaking about like improvisers being good without trying, that's like the same thing with kids. When you're a little kid yeah. and you can just make up a whole world and a scenario or whatever, and you're like, damn, these kids are creative as real. But then as you get older, you learn more, you start to judge yourself, you start to judge others or whatever it is. And so you get a little bit more self-aware in not necessarily always the best way. So it might be this a similar thing with, yeah, like the membranes, like at the first, they're so pure, they still have the leftover memory of whatever it was. But then as they grow, they're forming their own memories and starting their own life as the right. new person. It's I, I don't know. I mean, I thought it was very fascinating. And in a way, I can kind of see that being how it works. I think, what is that? Is it Buddhism that they believe in reincarnation? What do they believe in reincarnation? What religion is that? Maybe I should I try think- it. I think there's mul- I think there's multiples. I feel like, man, I don't know. I'm not going to say some shit and like be wrong about it. But right. I feel like I heard about, well, I guess I'm about to do it. But in Buddhism and in Hinduism, maybe, I don't yeah. know. I feel like yeah. there's reincarnation in, in multiple world religions. I think so too. And I think that there's really something to that. And plus, I just think, because I'm not super, I'm not religious at all, but I feel like I am a spiritual person. So... I think that that matches more of my vibe, less heaven and hell. I mean, I was raised Jewish anyway, so it's not like we're really raised with heaven and hell. I mean, raised Jewish is a very loose term. Like my extended family is more Jewish than my mom and my family was. But um, anyway, yeah. So I think I connect more to the idea of a spirit than I do. Oh, God is up there and the devil is down there dancing with Lil Nas X. (laughs) You know, whatever. (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. So, okay, this is good because this is such a common our generation answer is like, yeah. not religious, I'm spiritual, yeah. but I haven't had anyone say that on the podcast yet. So yeah. what does that mean to you? To like, well, talk to me about daily rituals, talk to me about concrete beliefs, like wh- how does being spiritual actually like show up for you? Yeah, that's interesting because, <clears throat> excuse me, I always feel like, I wish I was more religious so I had something maybe a little bit more grounding with culture or whatever it is or or when people have something they're going through in life and they just like just pray. I'm like what is that? you know <laughs> I wish I had that sometimes but I think for me being spiritual is more um believing that God isn't a person or an entity in heaven or whatever they believe but it's more like everywhere like in the trees, in the animals, in the sky, just it's kind of everywhere. And I think like if I'm going to hope for something, like when people when people would normally say the word pray, I would say hope or manifest, which is very LA, but it's true. <laughs> yeah. You know, there's something to that of like envisioning things more than for me being like, help me God. I think that that's the difference for me is more being like, I'm trying to see what I want to happen or I'm trying to be in a mindset where I can allow myself to be open to those experiences. When somebody is sick, I would never think, let's hold hands and pray. I would think, let's not think negatively, which sounds, it's you know, it's maybe easier said than done, but I do really believe that. Like it's, if I really want a job, or something instead of I try not to ever let my mind wander off to the what could be bad about it and that's like instead of praying Mm. I just sit there and kind of be like it's okay it's okay not you know anything specific just being like 
it's okay. And like, I remember like I had a friend that was in the hospital. She got shot and it was, um, really bad. She almost died. She's alive. She's fine now. But, uh, uh, when she was in the hospital was a lot of, you know, praying a lot of, Oh, I'm so angry at the person that did this and I'm going to, you know, and like, I felt like that energy was Mm -hmm. toxic and hurtful to Mm -hmm. her healing. And so I think where most people would be like, let's just all pray. I would be like, let's just send, keep positive energy in this space so that, you know, that I think that's more spiritual. I think that's what it is for me anyway. Well, it sounds like both empowering, like mm-hmm. it's more about you and what you do and can control. Mm-hmm. And it's more, it sounds like religion feels distant and mm-hmm. spirituality feels present. So rather than mm-hmm. someone mm-hmm. up there or far away, it's like this tree, this dog, mm-hmm. this, I don't know, couch. It feels weird to go inanimate objects, but like, right. um, yeah, does that seem yeah. right that it's like presence and empowerment sort of? Yeah, I think it's present presence, I think it's empowerment. I think it's yeah, it feels like there's more to hold on to than I don't know. To me it's just like I don't know much about religion. I really don't and I don't want to like dig myself into a hole where people are going to yell at me online about it. But No, dig. Um, let's dig. Yo, baby. Let's do it. I just think that it seems like there's a lot of guilt. We were bad to this one person, so we have to make it better by XYZ. And I'm like, well, that's silly. I didn't do shit to that dude. You know what I mean? Like, I didn't do nothing. I'm just trying to live my life. And so the way I can live my life and be, but still be grateful and, you know, and present and, and believe in something is to believe that it's everywhere. I think, yeah, I think it is more more of like it's right here it's not this one person this you know dude or jesus i don't even i don't i honestly don't know <laughs> I just, it's just not for me it's just not something i connect to yeah. it feels too, it definitely feels too blamey and then you're also putting in a weird way i mean the bible exists but in a way putting words into someone's mouth and taking that and using it however you want and I don't. Oh, it's don't for sure that. gets weaponized very, yeah. very easily. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I think spirituality, spirituality is more like it's more understanding. There's no judgment. There's no. I mean, people do wrong things. Like I watch a lot of crime documentaries, and I'm like, holy f- the shit that people can do. But it's like at the same time, there's reasons for it. There's psychology. There's trauma. There's families that inflict trauma on them. So it's like, I think it sees people in a different light. It's less like you're a sinner and let, and more just like, I don't know, the world you grew up in is creating this <laughs> in a way. Okay. Let's do funeral planning. What okay. do you want? What don't you want? Lay it out for me. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's my family listen in because we never talk about this stuff in my family, and I think we need to start doing it. But um, I don't want to do like the casket, open casket, burial in a big expensive coffin type thing. I feel like that's so wasteful personally. Um, I think I would want to be cremated and fucking put somewhere cool. 
Like, I don't even know. Wh- I don't even know exactly where just yet, but just somewhere. Maybe put a little of me in the ocean, a little bit of me, you know, uh, in Kansas City, where I'm from. Put a little bit of me in New York, where I, I love, you know, being there. Whatever. Put me on a mountain. I, I just like that idea. I think that there's something really weirdly embarrassing about death. I was thinking about that lately. There's something embarrassing to me about it. Like when people, I was watching this autopsy show last night because that's just how I roll. And there was like, they show like bodies, like a body just like lying on a hill and shit and naked. And I'm like, oh my God, that's so embarrassing. And then like getting autopsy, that's so embarrassing. You're just naked on a table. I know you're not there, but that's embarrassing. They just yeah. your stuff, just let you can't cover up. I'm kind of like modest. So I think I wouldn't want to be like lying in a coffin and having people like crying over me while I had like a weird outfit and like someone else did my makeup. I wouldn't want that. I just yeah. want it to be where you spiritual, where you go back into the earth with all the other parts of the earth where, you know, quote unquote, some idea of God is you go back to that. You go back to that. Funeral planning. And yeah, cool. Maybe maybe some good ass music. Good food. Everybody can wear what? black because I think everybody looks good in black. Okay. Um uh hopefully my it's gonna sound weird, but hopefully my mom is gone by then so that she doesn't have to see it. Me die. Right. right. Because I don't that would she would not do that well. I mean no mom no mom would, but like I just <laughs> I really don't want my mom to have to deal with that. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, especially embarrassing for her. Yeah, it's totally embarrassing. She's gotta be like, dang, I'm like, I'm, I'm old. My daughter was younger than me. She'd be dying first. Shit. She's like Nicole. Ugh, get it together. But yeah, get up. Stop. Get ah, you just quit so that. So embarrassing. You just laying here, making us spend all this money and listen to sad music. Yeah. Oh, oh, be, maybe okay. I'd so that's band play. <laughs> would it be sad music? That's what you want. Sad music. Probably. I don't. I'm not really like celebrate my life i'm not really that kind of person like i'm like give into the fucking sadness be be a little sad yeah yeah. i don't think that that's i'm i'm a little bit like (laughs) i've realized lately kind of gothy in a weird way like i like dark shit and so i don't mind that was something when i first met a lot of comedy people i was like why are they always acting like everything's fine like things are not fine like you can be sad and you can tell people i'm not feeling good today but everybody in comedy is like yes it's I am so, you know, gonna go to SNL or whatever. It's like, shut up. Okay. You're That's not okay. the difference between improv people and stand up people. Cause when you said that, yeah. I was like, what comedy people do you know that act like? I was like, I feel like comedy people act like everything's miserable. And I wanna yeah. be like, dog, it's yeah. not that bad, you know? But that is the difference That's between true. improvisers. Cause improvisers are very, I mean, I don't know. I could go off on yes and as a whole toxic philosophy Mm -hmm. of like, (laughs) it's Mm -hmm. like a Stepford thing of like, nothing's wrong. Yes, yes, life. And it's great. And uh, please abide by our rules or don't come around to the theater anymore. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's really strange to me. And it is like uh, stand-ups are definitely darker because I've gotten to be closer to some stand-ups this year. And I'm like, oh, y'all are depressed. <laughs> so wait, what it, What okay. made you realize that you were this, the, what What were the gothy, darker kind of goth. things? It's interesting because I've, I think I've just, somebody, oh, I was doing a photo shoot like a month ago and I was just wearing like a dark outfit with like combat boots and dark lip, a dark lip. And like, 
the photographer was like, were you goth when you were a teen? And I was like, you know what? I kind of was, and I never thought about it that way. I used mm. to wear a ton of eyeliner. I wore like five necklaces. One of them was a chain. I listened to, you know, a lot of rock music. Marilyn Manson was mixed in there. I listened to Corn at one point in my life. I did. Oh, I fully wow. did. I was dark. Wow. I like that dark shit. You know, I was just, I was a little like ragey. And I am really drawn to that that imagery. Like I was recently looking at, you know, nobody likes Jared Leto as the Joker apparently, but I love the way he looks because it's so dark. And mm-hmm. I love the um, the Dark Knight that movie because it was so dark and the soundtrack was so dark. So it's like I think I really, I really dig that stuff. And I really, I don't know why I was born on Halloween. I don't know if that has anything to do with it. Okay. So I, I just I've always loved that stuff. I always loved that kind of like dead <laughs> look. Like every Halloween, I used to go as like, oh, I'm a dead prom queen. I'm a dead, you know, cheerleader. I'm a dead whatever. Because I liked putting on that makeup and just looking dark. You know, not dark, like black, but like. So then what's the ultimate dark, like funeral song for you? Gosh, I don't know exactly what that would be. I don't know. It would have to be some... I mean, maybe a symphony, but that sounds kind of that would be like background music while people are hanging. That would out. be amazing. You make yeah. everyone just sit to like a whole, yeah, ninety minute symphony or something like yeah, that. Totally. Yeah, there's like I don't. There's um. Oh, you know what is a really good song that, and I don't think anybody knows, but I love it, and it always makes me feel emotional. Is um, it's called La. Ticonderoga or something. I don't know how to pronounce that word. It's like those pencil, the pencil brand, Ticonderoga, yeah, yeah. Ticonderoga. I don't know. It's by this band called Bowerbirds. And oh, okay. It's like folksy. Um, there's a little bit of guitar, there's an accordion, and just like a, a, a bass drum, a bass drum kick kicking. And there's something about it that's like sad but beautiful and it just like hits. It hits so hard. Like some music just like oh, gets me. Yeah. And that's one of those songs where I'm like, oh, God, you know, I love that one. So I think it would probably be that would be mixed into there somewhere. Yeah. A lot of harmonies, a lot of minor chords. I'd have to put together a playlist. Maybe I should start doing that now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know people who do. I know people who have them. Yeah, I thought. I mean, it's. I think it's smart. I think it's something we don't talk about enough, and I think it's something that I would want to know because I would want to give someone the best send off possible. I wouldn't want to just do whatever I thought was cool or whatever they wanted. And I definitely would hope that it would be cheap. <laughs> like I just don't think anybody should be spending money. I just think it's silly the way people go. So like, I I want to make sure I do the best things for them and get them the most expensive cask. And it's like, why? They truly don't know. It's nothing. It's meat that you're burying underground. And that's embarrassing. <laughs> and that's embarrassing. They wear some dress they probably don't even like. Oh, they got ooh, some man did their makeup while they were on a t- cold table. No, thank you. I'm asking you to choose one memory that you have to relive forever. Because in my last one-man show that I based the podcast on, we're in the afterlife. I'm telling people one of the features of the afterlife is you get to relive one memory. You're not Mm -hmm. stuck in it. 
And it's not that your other memories are erased. It's just that one of your many memories, you can choose to revisit whenever you want, as many Mm -hmm. times as you want, and you get to fully re-experience it. Wow. So if that were the case, what memory would you choose? I One just came up while you were saying that, and I feel like it's kind of like, oh, yo, yo, Nicole, are you obsessed with work or what? But I really do love work. <laughs> and um, I think this would be the one, because it's the, mo- I guess maybe it's one of the more recent ones that I've had where I never forget how good I felt and how relieved was, I was going through kind of a bad time. I had just broken up with my boyfriend uh, in like 2017. And I auditioned for this show called The Opposition that was um, going to be shooting in New York with Jordan Klepper. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And so I was going to be a correspondent. I auditioned for it. And I had gone to New York and I had tested for it, which was the first time I ever tested for anything. The first time somebody flew me somewhere to test for anything. And I was, I just felt like I had gotten it. Like I felt, I felt as I was leaving, I was like, I got it. Like, I think I got it. Like, it doesn't even feel, it was the weirdest thing because I don't normally feel that. Even when I do get stuff, I'm like, um, yeah, I think so. But this one was like, it felt, it was just like, oh, that that's your job. Okay. And so, yeah. And so when I, I went back to California and I was just so ready to be, um, I just needed something else because I was waiting tables. I had just broken up my boyfriend. I was living in a fucking depressing apartment here in LA. And I was just like, I need something else. And my agent emailed me and he was like, uh, the producers of the show are going to call you in a second. And I was like, why? <laughs> like, Tell me why. Tell me why, man. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he was like, and I was like, does this mean that they like me? And he's like, I think so. He's so mellow about shit. And I was like, oh, my God, oh, my God. And I think it was just one of those things where – because he said that they, he's like, well, they're going to call you to just like kind of talk about the show more, talk about what your role would be on it and whatever. And when they called me and like told me it, I had gotten the job, it was like Jordan, and he was on speakerphone with all the producers. And you could they were just in a room and telling me that. And I think it was just that moment I was sitting in my – room in my like shitty studio apartment that my boyfriend had just moved out of because I was like get out um and it was just like this like like it hit me like a wave of like oh my god like that thing of like you've wanted something for so long you've worked for so long you need it you 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 need it but it's like also like you just want it and you like I said I had you can see it, you can feel it, you knew in your gut. And then, it, and then they tell you, yes, you're right. Like that was right. And come mm. to us, <laughs> be a part of us. And I don't know. I just was like telling them I loved them and crying. And <laughs> it was just such a like special moment. I don't think I'll ever have that kind of moment again. So how is it different than was the thing that made it different than getting other jobs just that precursor of having the certainty about it? It was a lot of things, I think, because it was a precursor of having a little bit of the certainty. I don't know if I should, but it's like I had auditioned against 
friends that had acted like they got it and i was like no i think i got it like i never said that to them but it's like they were kind of yeah. acting like they got it and i was like no i think i got it though yeah um even when i left i ran in because i i knew people that wrote for the show we, we know there's a lot of chicago people on the show and so i i ran into a couple of them when they were coming into the office and i was leaving my audition and they were like how to go and i was like i got it. i think i got it um it was like having the precursor of those feelings then also just being in like a really dark place like it was a shitty breakup mm. It was a, I was like at the time an eight, I guess I'm not going to say old then, but it was like, I was at an age where I was like, I feel too old to just be waiting tables and sad single LA girl. Uh, and so I think it was just that of like, oh my God, they're going to, I'm going to, I have, cause I had to move to New York. So it's like, I get to leave. I get to make money. I get to have this amazing job and this opportunity. And like, I have friends in New York that I'm very close to and, it just felt like a saving in a weird way. Yeah. I mean, cause I'm not, yeah. I mean, work is a huge part of my life and it's usually a little bit too important to me, but because it was like a real work success, the, the biggest job I've ever gotten, it was uh, just like next level. Like I can't believe the thing that I wanted is actually happening. Yeah. That's rare. And it sounds like the moment itself is so short and so small and it's yeah. like and it's so indirect you're on the phone yeah. so it's both personal it's so personal because the other people you're sharing with it you're sharing with it through this piece of technology yeah so it seems like so much of it is about the backdrop is about yeah. the intuition is about the misery is about the existential crises mm-hmm. and then so the small moment becomes this big redemptive thing yeah. because it stands out in relief from those yeah. things so much. And that relief is something we so rarely get to feel as artists, like a true relief. Like it's just like if you painted a painting and it took you 10 years to fucking paint the painting and someone was like, yeah, uh, we're going to hang it in this, in the Guggenheim. And you'd be like, Oh my God. Like, what? Right, and then someone right. was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to pay, you know, $3 million for it. And you're like, what? Like, it's just, if it just, it happened, you know, it's like that thing that you're, we're not used to. I mean, you were used to having successes, but yeah. On it being levels. incremental, it being not perceptible yeah. initially. Okay. Yeah. So did it feel like, did any part of you, were you like, I've made it? This is the oh, break, yeah. break. Really? Yeah. yeah. Well, because how, how I mean, do you think I know about now, that now? Was it, I know, I know now that wasn't it. Yeah, and I know now that you gotta be on a daily show for it to work, <laughs> right? But it did change my life, and I realized that that slowly. But it's one of those things. It's another one that's like incremental, but it was huge. Yeah, it was, at the time it was like, oh, well, now I'm just gonna <laughs> go be famous. You're like, oh, here I go. <laughs> and what's inter- actually interesting about that is like when I first came home, I think I was smoking at the time. I used to smoke. I was a bad girl, uh, but I think I went outside to like smoke when I came back to LA after auditioning and I don't pray, but I looked up at the sky and I was like, please, please, please just give it to me. I remember I, cause I could see the palm trees and I was like, I know that I would have to go to New York. I know that I would have to feel winter again. And I know it would probably be really hard because I'd lived in New York for like a short time before, like a year before. And I yeah. knew it's not the most amazing city to live in, but 
I did. It was like one of those things where I wanted it like that level of wanting it, of just like being Mm -hmm. like, please, I think it's my time. I think this is my thing. I think this is it. And that was the other thing of like, not many jobs are your job. Most jobs ain't your job. Right, right, right. But when a job is your job, it feel different. It's the same thing of, I'm assuming, meeting a soulmate. I don't know that like, but you know what I mean? It's the same (laughs) thing of like being like, that's it. That's my person. That's my job. And that's kind of what I felt like. But of course, it doesn't always work out. So I think, yeah, I think when it did work out, I was like, oh, well, this is life changing, period. Like, this is life. This will change my life, period. Like, my life will never be the same. Sounds like it did stop you from waiting tables ever again. I haven't waited tables since then. And that's been four years. And that was huge. And That's making it. Yeah. That's one level of making it. Absolutely. I mean, because I didn't wait tables when I worked at Second City. I was very lucky. And then I had to start waiting tables again when I moved here. And it was just so hard for me. It was such a like, my ego, just having to deal with people, just all (laughs) of it. It was a really stressful job. You know, I met great people there, but I always meet great people at restaurants. But it was not, I didn't want to do it anymore. Like my fucking back hurts. I'm over it, you know. But uh, yeah, I never had to wait tables again. And that's the thing too, is like, I thought it would change my life as in be famous. I thought I was going to be like, oh, me and Hassan Minaj going to be chilling and me and Jessica Williams. I mean, right. Jessica Williams does follow me on Instagram, but. Okay. Uh, all right. That's one reason to we keep Instagram and like, not just Twitter. Yeah. I was like, we're all going to be in it. We're all, that's a crew. That's the thing. I've seen what, Lord, I've seen what you've done for others with, uh, <laughs> you know, those jobs. So I was yeah. like, it's going to be the same path. That's once you're on that path. But it wasn't that I had a really tough after the show got canceled I had a really tough like a year and a half almost two years but now I've gotten back on my feet and it's because of that job it's because that job started me on a path to like be able to write for tv be able to do more things on tv because people are like oh you were on that you know you did the thing you've had the job yeah you'll actually understand the context of this Because the question is, what's your coma in the Uh sense of some event? And it doesn't have to be monumental. It can seem small, but some event or moment with a clear before and after in your life. Like you were one person and now you're another person. Oh, I have it. Something. Yeah. What is it? I I guess I sometimes hesitate to talk about it because I don't want to be anyone's uh guru or expert on the topic and I also don't want to pretend that I'm always going to be this way but I stopped drinking and it was honestly just supposed to be a detox because I had a really I came I was when I was living in New York I was really stressed out I was partying more because everybody does party more in New York and I came to visit LA And like got super drunk and just said a whole bunch of horrible shit to my ex-boyfriend. And like just like was so – I was like – I realized I'm like – I was like so angry and stressed and depressed. And I was like 30 pounds heavier. And I was just like – like when I watch the opposition sometimes, I I sometimes kind of can't to be honest because I remember how – I always like I used to always think everyone was out to get me. Everyone wants me to be a failure. I'm going to get fired. Mm. Every day I was like I'm going to get fired. Um so I was always like on edge and not easy. Like it just like I felt just difficult. I was causing, you know, I was just stressed out. And like I've seen anyway, that's yeah. So I feel like I was like a different person then. And then um I hope this is answering your question, right? Yeah. 
Um, yeah, for sure. Okay, good. Uh, and then <laughs> yeah. I was like, wait, I was like, sometimes I'm like talking and I'm like, wait, what the fuck am I talking about? Um, but so anyway, so I like, I came here and someone told me, cause my, I, I, I promised myself I won't talk about my ex on every podcast. Okay. So someone <laughs> told me something about him that it was just a, a long line of bullshit. And it was just like one more thing in a long fucking line of bullshit. And I was drunk. Mm-hmm. When they told me. So I just got on my phone and I was like, like went crazy, went crazy, saying just the most heinous things. It was obvious that obviously there he had his own thing, but I something was going on with me. I was so angry and so drunk. You know what I mean? And I <laughs> yeah, looked yeah, in the yeah. mirror the next morning. I took a picture of myself in like some bad outfit, and I looked, you know bloated and tired and angry and you like posed for a before picture yeah actually like this yeah oh okay really because in my mind it's like if you knew to take a picture there's something in you that's like this is a before picture of something well maybe there was something that was like tell like this is this is it this end of the line for us and yeah (laughs) whiskey honey yeah um but yeah, I took a picture because I was, I think I was like, kind of like, oh my God, look how hungover I look. Oh my God. And so I just took a picture and then I went back to New York and I was like, I'm going to just take like a two week break from alcohol. And I downloaded this app and it's mm. uh, a, called Sober Times because everybody always asks me what it's called, Sober Time. And I was just like, oh, I'll just use this so that I can for sure do two weeks, which is like kind of weird too. And when you think about it, when I think back on it, like I don't need a fucking app to count two weeks, but <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I think it helped cause it helped me quit smoking. I, I downloaded an app to quit smoking. So I think mm. I was just like, I'm always more, um, I stick things, stick to things more when I have an app holding me accountable. There you go. Uh, and so, yeah, so I, I quit for two weeks and then I was like, oh, you know what? This is actually like kind of good for me. Maybe I should just keep doing it because I was going to work and feeling better because I used to go to work, you know, after having stayed up till four or 5 a.m. over the weekend, getting blackout, you know, this is not a good situation. Um, <laughs> and I, I never realized like not everybody blacks out all the time. I was like, oh, really? Yeah, dude. I mean, I. It sounds like we took different paths. I went to the program and like go to yeah. meetings and oh, stuff good. like that. But like, um, things I didn't realize were like, yeah, not everyone blacks out all the time. Not everyone, um, kind of, uh, looks at a table as everyone's leaving of half full glasses of drinks and thinks that that's a waste and considers maybe drinking those drinks on the way yeah. out. Not everybody takes beers from the fridge and puts them in their backpack at the party to bring home and drink. Oh, it's like I did that shit. Yeah, that's not that's not the way. I didn't. Yeah, I really didn't know. I think once I sobered up to, I was like, oh, y'all just really go out and have two drinks, (laughs) like most of y'all do. I did not know that. Right. Yes. I didn't know because I always thought everybody was doing the same as me, and a lot of times people were because when they go out with me, I would get them ham bone wasted. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. They can't. But like. Yeah, I didn't realize because that's that. your that was your role in their life. They're like, oh, oh this yeah. is my party friend, and you're like, all my friends are party friends. Oh yeah, one of my yeah. friends we used to laugh about it. It was like a joke. Was that I was the do you want one more friend, mm-hmm. and she would always say yes, and so we'd always 
accidentally get shit weight, like just so fucking wasted. Yeah. And so I didn't, I didn't realize I really didn't realize. And so then I, um, so yeah, so I was like going to work and feeling better. And I, I think I joined a gym cause I was like, bitch, why are you, you know, putting on so much? I was just, I was just being so unhealthy to my body. Like sm- the yeah. fact that I was smoking is usually indicative of me not being in a good place because I had quit and then I went back to smoking because I was like, mm-hmm. I don't care about my body. You know, I'll give a fuck. And yeah. it's like, that means we in trouble. So anyway, I started being like, well, this is actually kind of nice. So I was like, maybe I'll do a month. And then a month became two, three, four, you know how it is. I'm about to hit next week, three years. Wow. Congratulations. Yeah. And that's great. That was, yeah. So my app is, I mean, listen, you still like, have the app. I keep, I always say I don't like I don't always love talking about it publicly because if I do I I don't want people if I do drink again someday yeah I don't want you know and I don't I don't want anybody to text or you know I don't like when people message me about yeah. it because it's like I'm not I'm not the person to like guide you through this journey I'm the person I'm sober to say, don't at me yeah just like fucking leave me because it, it really yeah. did I I used to post about it um you know on the anniversaries mm, and then yeah. I'd get like an influx of a lot of messages and I was like I I can't I'm not the person for you like it's not that I appreciate that you're trying to do this I'm happy to give you the app the name of the app but like I'm not the person to text all the time about it because it's just not especially because it's like people I didn't know it wasn't it wasn't like my best friends right um yeah so two years 11 months 27 days 17 hours 30 minutes and 16 seconds that's where I am now wow but it was like that was my coma because Quitting that, I'm like a different person. Like I'm a different person now. I mean, who's that? I'm person? not. I'm not perfect. But what do you say? Other than not the things that you described before, what is the person you are now? I think just generally, like within my body, feel by my in my body feels different. It doesn't feel so like. Um, like I was saying earlier, it doesn't feel like as much of that storm of your brain just being like loud. It doesn't feel mm. like the noise. I don't feel that like pit of stress and anxiety in my stomach all the time. Um, I I never realized that I have pretty bad social anxiety. You know, my dad was an alcoholic and my my aunt told mm. me that he had really bad so- social anxiety. Oh, and I was wow. like, oh, shit. I mean, I knew he was an alcoholic, but I didn't know why. And now I realized like, it was because I was I had a lot of social anxiety and and like it, a lot of it was Second City and working there and trying mm-hmm. to keep up when everybody was technically the cool guy in the room. I was like, I can't keep up with this. I start to I start to just like shut down when everybody's the cool guy, and so I would drink a lot to feel okay. But anyway, so I feel a lot more settled within my body. I feel like I'm able to go to bars or just to parties and be social with friends without feeling any type of way. You know, I don't feel like, oh God, I got to go outside and smoke. Cause I used to, that was another way I would cover for social anxiety was like, I don't want to be in this conversation. How do I get out of it? Okay. I'm going to go smoke. Mm, you know? Um, oh, well that is one of the beauties of smoking is to be able to have like a, I mean, and the thing you don't realize is like, you can just lie. You can still say you smoke and just say, I'm going to go smoke and just not smoke. Cause it is such a fucking good uh, escape hatch out of it gets you out every time yeah because if you say yeah. i'm going to the bathroom they're like i'll go with you and it's like oh jesus christ so yeah if you say i'm gonna go smoke no i'm gonna come out with there with you unless they smoke it's and that's more rare so yeah it was right. always the way where when i started feeling like i don't know the conversation was going on too long or demanding too much of me or whatever it was i would be like i gotta go 
Um, but yeah, so, so mainly in my body, mentally, um, I have a better relationship with my family because mm. uh, I love my family, but, you know, we're family. And I think a lot of uh, sobriety has made it so that I'm more accepting of, like, the way other people are as opposed to, like, frustrated. I mean, I still get really frustrated by it. But so it's like if I'm around my family and, you know, we going into our old little patterns, I deal with it differently. And I don't feel the same as I used to. And like my sisters are both like, you're a different person. Like, cause I oh, used wow. to be more angry. And yeah. I don't, I'm not as angry at all because I know how to deal with it. I know I don't need, you know, I don't have to cope. I can process through my feelings now. And I used to just, you know, take a shot or drink a beer or like, you know, because when even when we were with family, we would be like, let's put Bailey's in our coffee so we can have a good time together, you know, and it's like, I don't need to do that anymore. I can just deal with people for the most part. I think there's, I mean, it's just a lot. It's like I work out now. I never used to work out. I'm trying to think of what, I, I mean, you know, dating, it's like, that, not good for that because I never realized how bad my decision making was until I'm like, oh, oh dang, man. now I can see everybody's red flags. I can I see know. them immediately. I know, I know. So very hard for me. Very it makes hard. you very, well, for me, it makes me very uh, self, self-righteous self about giving other, of wanting, I don't usually give other people advice, but wanting to give other people advice. Yeah. I mean, like, <laughs> let me tell you the yeah. 50 things you could do differently in your situation. You know right. I mean? It really... Yeah. I think there's a lot of that, and I, I try not to be, but it is hard because I'm sometimes I'm like, when you're better than other people, you want to tell them, you know? You're fucking better than that. I mean, just like, but I just like, yeah, people <laughs> don't realize like how you, I'm so much better than they are. Yeah, but no, it's like you could really like. I think it's just it's once you learn to cope differently, especially if you are really bad at it. But I mean, even if you're not really bad at it, even if you have a bad day at work and you come home and t- have a glass of wine, if you didn't have that, you would learn how to deal with your bad day at work better. I'm not saying that people shouldn't drink. I'm just saying. Oh, like, no. Yeah. You, yeah. You, it's like you start to see and you're like, oh, well, I can help you with that. Or like, oh, just like, why don't you just sit in it for a moment or like deal with it or like break up with him because he's trash, honey. Like there's <laughs> everything you're saying in a red flag. You know, I can see him. I can see all of them. Like I had a friend get ghosted and I mean, I, I saw it a week before she got ghosted. I was like, babe, he's going to ghost you. He going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. He, he did. And she's like, I think that I'm, I'm like, no, you done got ghosted. I saw it. But yeah. <laughs> anyway, so it's a lot of that. It's I feel like sometimes it's like you have x-ray vision in a, while, in a lot of ways. Do you ever, I don't know. Yeah. Do you ever feel like that? Yeah. No. Yeah, for sure. It does feel like seeing things clearer. It feels like for me, it's it's lengthening the, the um, time between observation and response yeah. so i can like choose my response instead yeah. of just like you're just like yes. oh like be you know unleashing the fucking dragon on people oh. like um, i was always like that even when i was a little kid i used to punch walls i broke my hand when i was in college because i was drunk and punched a wall when i was mad at somebody like i couldn't control i mean listen you know my dad is in my genes he's half of my genes he was abusive he was an alcoholic and i have that in me you know, just like a lot of people do in their families, but it's like you have to recognize it before you're like, oh, okay, 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 okay. I was a little angry all the time, and now I'm not so angry all the time because I got therapy, and I don't know, I'm better at coping <laughs> and dealing. Because yeah, it's like you take a step back, you don't immediately act out and hit a wall or whatever. 
that is the show. Thank you so much for listening. If you liked this show, please tell a friend about it. Tell two friends about it. Make new friends to tell them about the show. You can go to patreon.com slash Dave Marr to support the show. You can follow me, Nicole, at those links in the show notes. Sign up for that newsletter. And I will talk to you next week. Impossible you can do miracles. Miracles. You can do them. Have faith. You are human. Only human. And human beings, they do miracles.